When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. And the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. We keep from high, and I'm bound to keep on. Up, oh, I was bound to do it one of these days. 12.02, that's right, it's 12 o'clock on Thursday already. We are, we are racing towards the finish line of this week. We are headed to Super Bowl Sunday. We got a couple of stops before we get there, though. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you for the next five hours. And our five-hour midnight ride, Alex on the other side. And it's me and you all the way through until we send you to beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. It looked nice there. I saw Gio posted some pictures. They played golf. The weather broke a little bit. Good for them. Looking forward to it. We'll get a little bit more into the game as we get closer to, the, uh, as we get closer to it. Get more into uh, some of the different angles of the game. I talked a little bit about the point spread. It's still two and a half. But we'll get more into some of the different matchups and some of the interesting things. Certainly more tomorrow than even today. But as we get closer to the game, we'll start to do that. But today is now officially, it is now officially the day of the NBA trade deadline today at 3 p.m. And the Knicks are on the clock. And that's really the story for me as we get started today. And looking at this game tonight, the injury, let's get that out of the way real quick. You just heard the update from Marco. Thankfully, it does sound pretty good about Brunson. Uh, just a uh, tweaked ankle, a slightly sprained ankle. I'm sure he's not going to play tonight. Uh, I, I wouldn't expect him to play in this game tonight against Dallas. Uh, obviously, the same thing with OG Ananobi. I Now they're calling a, a bone spur, uh, you know, uh, annoyance. I forget the word they use for it, but I guess it's more than just inflammation. There's an issue with some bone spurs in the elbow. He is now going to miss, what, a sixth consecutive game? And that's starting to, you know, make me nervous. I don't like this. He was in shoot-arounds. He was getting ready to play the game. And suddenly, oh, you know, his elbow's barking a little bit. Now it's been six games. He's already ruled out for tonight. I'm sure Brunson's not going to play. And it's probably going to be a tough go of it considering all the other issues. Hart's got the knee injury. Obviously, no Randall. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. I, again, they should absolutely not play Brunson. They can, they can live with one game. They've built themselves a cushion. They've played really well down the stretch here. I mean, what they've done since the beginning of January is remarkable. They, they're the story of the NBA, arguably. They've been terrific. Randall's been ter- has been terrific up to the injury. Brunson's been terrific. At, uh, you know what they did since the trade. You can afford to just mail in a game against Dallas, and I wouldn't even say mail it in. Not with Tibbs. He probably still won't go to the bench. And obviously that's the story as we head to the deadline and getting some depth and whether or not Tibbs would use it when they get it. But they absolutely need by 3 o'clock today, and I'm sure they will. The level, the question is, what level of player do they get? Because it sounds like if you listen to Woj, if you're watching SNY, you're reading reports, it sounds like the two names that have really been, uh, you know, 
focused here is Alec Burks and Bruce Brown. Now, Alec Burks, obviously, history with the Knicks, uh, is a a Tibbs kind of guy, can play the defense, shoots the three. He's actually shooting the three a little bit uh, worse than uh, his career this year, but he's been hot as of late. Uh, it, it's a nice fit, right? For me, it's, an, it's a nice fit. It makes sense. I heard uh, the friend, uh, the CP, the franchise on with Evan. He likes Burks. Yeah, if you remember him, you know, with his time with the Knicks, he's a good, solid player. Tibbs probably trusts him. He fits in, and that's really what makes me think it might be. I think Tibbs is running a lot of the show here uh, as far as, you know, players they'll bring in, especially if all things being equal, especially if they're trying to match contracts and you got Fournier. And do you have to give up a first-round pick for Burks? I don't know. Do you have to give up a first-round pick for Bruce Brown who won a championship last year? But – you know, ultimately, these guys are nice players. And that's really what I'm like. They they fit. They fit. But are they exactly what you need? I'm still looking. Like, Burks solves a couple. You know, you feel like he could score off the bench. He's averaging what? I think he's averaging about 12 points a game this year. Like, it's it's he's playing 20 minutes a night for the Pistons. I'm sure he'd be rejuvenated coming back to the Garden, coming back to this great story that is the New York Knicks in the moment. But, I mean, for me, it still doesn't fit. The same way some other guys do. Like for me, Brogdon still fits better. I want that no. I want that one. I want that guy that can be the you know come in and be the guy for Brunson when they have when they need him off the floor to run the offense. Yes, you want instant offense. Yes, you want someone who could shoot the three. Yes, you want someone who could play defense. Yes, you want someone you feel a little bit better. And listen, you can play him. You know, with Deuce. Uh, that would still work on the court. There's a lot of good things to those players. And ultimately, I trust the Knicks to do something. I don't think you can stand pat. Like, with all the injuries, with everything going on, the Knicks are going to have to do something today by 3 o'clock. There's just no way around it. The question is, how, and then and then there's the, the you know, do they go get Murray? Do they go really, uh, uh, you know, and go and try and get someone who really impacts even the starting lineup and moves DiVincenzo possibly to the bench to be a scorer off the bench and to do different things. Like, how much do the Knicks do right now to really bolster this team? And as much as I, I'm okay with all of it, and I understand the limitations, and I understand the idea that you want to still possibly go superstar chasing in the offseason next year, and I think that's probably where it is going to rely. That's where it's going to stay. I mean, you are not going to get a superstar here. I wouldn't expect it. You know, I don't think anything crazy is coming down the pike. That's more of a, a game-changing, team-changing scenario in the offseason. But right now, these pieces all work, but they don't excite me. Like, Burks doesn't excite me. Bruce Brown, very nice player, won a championship, plays in big games. I don't know if it excites me. Jordan Clarkson, I don't know. You know, Jordan Clarkson, I, I believe he's leading the NBA in, in points off the bench uh, he's a little bit, he, he excites me a little bit more. To me, the player is Brogdon. Brogdon's the guy who fits them perfectly. He can come in and run the one. He can come in and lead and run that second offense. And right now, as you get ready to go through a stretch, uh, who knows when OG's coming back. Obviously, I think Randall, once you get past this, I would imagine some of the, the Randall news has been has been tampered down and they're not saying everything there is until this trade deadline passes. Uh, but I would think that you are going to be, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be a long time before we see Julius Randle back with the Knicks. A long time. So right now, as they go through this stretch and they're battling inside this Eastern Conference, we talked about it yesterday, it's imperative that they go out there and do something. And so by 3 o'clock today, there will be a new Nick. The question is, what level of Nick? How much do they have to give up? 
Are you willing to get? Are they willing to give up first round picks? Are they are they are they willing to make the maneuvers necessary? Are they going to go out and get someone who fits? They're comfortable with, or are they going to go out there and try and? For me, Brogdon works best. There's some other guy. Clarkson's the better scorer of the bunch. Like, what level? Do the Knicks feel they need to bolster this roster? Do they also try and get a piece to add to some of the the depth in the front court as well and some of the bigs as they're dealing with injuries there? So a lot to decide by 3 o'clock today. And obviously they're going to do something. If they stand pat, I'd be shocked. But I really, as I look at it and you hear the different names, Alec Burke works, but he doesn't fit perfectly. He doesn't, I don't feel, I don't love him running the way. I guess he could do it. And he's someone who could shoot and play defense and, and helps the team better. And I trust, and I know Tibbs trust, but is it someone that fits the exact role they're looking for to get Brunson off the floor? Because that's really what we're talking about, right? That's what we're talking about when it comes to, we talked about it yesterday, Tibbs and the way he plays. Like, they, if he doesn't have, and we know he runs these guys into the ground anyway. Like, we know he loves to play these guys, and Brunson wants to play. And when Randall's back, he loves to play. And he and I understand that, but unlike almost any other team in the NBA, the Knicks have the shortest bench, the Knicks run their guys, the Knicks play everybody. They need to go give, and Rose needs to go give Thibodeau a legitimate guy who can come in and fill the role of Brunson. And some of the names I'm hearing, while yes, it adds to the depth, yes, it adds to the scoring off the bench. And that's what I mean, that's what you saw in the fourth quarter of the Laker game. They need someone who can put the ball in the basket necessarily. Because if DiVincenzo's off in that second unit right now, certainly without OG and you know with Brunson, if Brunson's off the floor, they don't have anywhere else to go get to go really get baskets. And even down the stretch sometimes, especially if there's like I said, a night where uh, DiVincenzo's not shooting well or they've got a, a you know a tall, long team or a good rim de- uh, defender like the Lakers have with Davis, like you double Brunson, and then from there, I don't know where you get your points. Achua's been great, right? Hartenstein's been great, but ultimately those guys, you can't, you can't trust them to go get a basket. You need someone you can trust to go get a basket. So, yeah, there's a couple of guys out there that, I, you know, the names have been bandied about who you feel better about going to give them the, the trust in going to get a basket, especially off the bench or even late-game situations if someone else is off. All right, yes, but is there that guy where you know, okay, I can, I can take Brunson off the floor and have a leader out there who can not only get points, but facilitate the offense and be the kind of guy I feel can keep the offense going while Brunson's gone, as opposed to just getting a basket, actually run the offense, facilitate it, and be that de facto number two point guard. That's what I'm looking for, as much as I'm looking for the points. And some of the names we're hearing now, I don't know if it fits that exact role. We haven't heard Brogdon really attached to him that much. Maybe there's a name we don't know of. Maybe there's something we can they can do that none of us are thinking about. But right now, that's the role I'm looking for. And for me, Malcolm Brogdon does that better than the other names we're talking about. So we'll get into the Knicks, obviously, as the trade deadline's at 3 o'clock. I want to talk about the Mets here, too, uh, as we take a second to uh, talk about moves that need to be made. And for the first time, I heard Stearns, he's on a podcast uh, foul territory, which has become a popular uh, podcast over the last few months here. Uh, and he's on foul territory talking about Pete Alonso. And for the first time, as much as, and we'll get into the fact that they need a freaking bat in the worst way, 
and that they've been at least in conversations with J.D. Martinez. It sounds like that. You listen to Andy Martino today, it sounds like they're a mile away, but still at least there's some recognition from the Mets on some level that they need another bat for this year and that this season freaking matters. Because the feeling you get a lot heading into this thing is that this year doesn't freaking matter. But let me tell you why I'm okay at the very least, and I actually liked what I heard from Stearns on Pete Alonso. I am in the camp that you re-sign Pete Alonso. I don't understand the different thought process. I don't. I know BT and BT's been on it for a while, and even he's got Sal convinced that it's best to move on from Pete Alonso. This is a guy who's an absolute stud in the middle of the lineup, who's a lock for 40 home runs, who is arguably the heart and soul of the team, and I guess that's up for interpretation whether or not that's a good thing or not. But this is this is the Mets guy. He's on his way to becoming the best position player in franchise history. He's an absolute beast. For the most part, he stays healthy. He's turned himself into one hell of a good first baseman, and he hits. He's going to hit forty home runs and drive in ninety-five to one hundred and ten RBIs with his eyes closed. That's the kind of player I'm looking to keep. And for me, I think it's imperative the Mets do it, especially considering who their owner is. And that's the reason why I feel better about what I've heard from Stearns in this podcast than I heard before. Because, one, he gives you the line that they are invested in Pete Alonso, right? So that's neither here nor there, right? It's, 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 it's nice to hear. I'm not calling him a liar. I take people at their word. I do think there's some interest in Pete Alonso. But here's the thing. When, when looking at this situation, I don't necessarily think you have to sign Pete Alonso to the extension. This is what people don't get. Right now, this year, they're treating this season like it's some sort of, you know, pathway to the future. Like, I've been very disappointed in what they've done in the rotation. I've been very disappointed in the idea that they are just now, finally, recognizing the idea that, you know, Beatty and Vientos aren't someone, you, you know, you don't have to give them each 600 at-bats to have answers on them. Like, you don't have to have both of them be in the middle of the lineup and be imperative pieces on the, on the success of the 24 Mets to find out about them for future prospects. You can, you can bring in a veteran bat and still get a look at those guys over the course of a long season of 162 games. So at least they're getting there. But if you look at it, Pete Alonso's under contract this year. That's not up for debate. And, and, and certainly with his agent, he's hitting free agency. And that's fine. Because when you have an owner like this, you have now emerged. You talk about it, right? When he first came here, it's like, welcome. Heavy lies the crown. You are now a member of the exclusive club that is the Los Angeles Dodgers, that is the New York Yankees, where you you don't fear losing players. And that's why, like, I'm starting to believe, like, everyone thought, oh, if you don't know, I know, I know uh, Evans made the, the beard bet. You're looking to extend him. You want to extend him. Pete wants to be a Met. Why don't you extend him? Why don't you extend him? Be like the Braves. They're so smart. Uh, you, you're seeing Altuve just got an extension. Uh, Witt Jr. just got an extension with Kansas City. Why aren't the Mets extending Pete Alonso? Why? Because they don't have to. Let Pete Alonso play it out. And you want to you have a comparison? How about Aaron Judge? All right, it felt like there was maybe some bad blood built up from Cashman and Judge. But ultimately, what happened? What happened was, and this is the key on what makes 24 important to me, like, let's have Alonzo play with a chip on his shoulder. Let's have Alonzo go out there and try to prove to the Mets he's worth being the franchise cornerstone for the next seven to nine years. Like, you are going to get the best out of Pete Alonso here if you keep him 
hungry for that deal. And if you're the Mets, you don't fear anyone else. Who's going to come and outbid you for Pete Alonso? You worried about the Yankees? They have their own guy in in uh, Juan Soto to worry about. The Dodgers have Freddie Freeman at first base. Like, I wouldn't be worried at all. Let this situation play out. It plays out for the year. Whether if he has a great year, great. You've just really impacted this year's team, which for me still freaking matters. I'd like to win this year. Call me crazy. I don't care about projections that have me at 82 wins. I don't care about the, you know, I don't care. I want to go out there and win. I saw a Diamondback team that I could argue the, the, the Mets are just as good as, if not better, besides maybe the starting rotation. That what the hell, once I get in there, anything's possible. Let's be honest. The, the, the two stalwarts of the National League, besides a couple of years ago, winning the World Series of the Braves, look what they've done in the postseason over the last handful of years. The Dodgers, as great as they've been, they've won one World Series since 1988, and the Braves have absolutely folded the last two years in the playoffs. I want to get into a playoff series and see what happens to get the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, I don't think there's a chance they can catch them in the division. Yes, the Atlanta Braves are a better regular season team. They'll probably win close to 100 games and beat out the Mets by 10, 15 games in the post, in the uh, in the standings. Doesn't mean anything when you get into a five-game series. means absolutely nothing, and it certainly helps if you have Pete Alonso hitting three home runs in a five-game series. Like, for me, I want a motivated Pete Alonso to help this team. This team still matters to me. And then when you get to the offseason, you pay him. If he has a bad year, his value just went down, and you get him for a better bargain because, let's be honest, I still expect him to be the guy who hits 40 home runs every year, even if this year is a down year or injury-plagued year. Then you might get him on the cheap. And if he balls out, then he balls out, and you have an owner who can give him the money, and maybe, just maybe, he gave this team the best opportunity to go out there and win a couple games, make a wild card, and be dangerous in a postseason. And maybe because you played so well and Alonzo has kept you afloat along with the rest of the team, now you can go attack the trade deadline and maybe get a pitcher that transforms your team. I want, to me, the best case scenario is a motivated Pete Alonso helping this Met team win, and then the owner who's willing, you know, who has more money than anybody in baseball, ponying up and paying your superstar for his baseman. Call me crazy. But that's how the Mets should handle it. You don't have to give extensions. The Atlanta Braves feel like they have to give extensions to make it work. You're seeing Kansas City, teams like that. Uh, even though the Padres went crazy with money, they gave a long-term extension to Tatis once he hit and once he became somewhat productive. And that's fine, and in certain circumstances, it benefits all teams, small market, big market alike. But the benefit the big markets have is they can wait throughout the contract, get as much information about a player as possible, and then if he's earned a contract, you give it to him. And Pete Alonso, I have no doubt, has already earned this contract and will continue to earn this contract And then you have a player who can actually help you in a year that I'm not ready to just, you know, dismiss and wait for all the prospects that you've you've built up to hit in 25-26, which is the dumbest plan I've ever heard. So for once, like, you know, it's not necessarily he said anything extra interesting in that interview, but I think they are committed to sign Pete Alonso. And I don't think giving them extension was necessary. Not giving them an extension is a, view, a window into their thought process. I think it's smart business. I understand he could hit free agency, and I understand his market value could go up. You know what? Who cares? Not when you have this owner. Not when you have this owner. That's the whole point. That's, what, that's the benefit you have. 
Pete Alonso ups his value over $50 million, having a tremendous year and maybe playing well into the playoffs. Well, you just benefited from that that year, and you are not hampered or hindered in any way to be the team that gives him that money. 877-337-6666. So we start with the Knicks and the deadline about 15 hours away. What do they do? What do they do? They're going to do something. What level do they do it? Do they try and shoot for the stars and get a Murray out of Atlanta? Or do they go back to old reliable Alec Burke and a nice player and someone who's going to help them? I'm sure whoever they get will help them with scoring off the bench. But is it the exact role I'm looking for to give Tibbs a legitimate reason to keep Brunson off the floor? Because, honestly, we can complain all we want. We can complain all we want about load management and it's killing the NBA and they're making rules all around it. We hate it, and even Buck Showalter, right? I, I didn't even get into that yesterday. Maybe we can get into that over the course of the show. Buck Showalter popping his head up in a in a in foul territory, the same podcast the next day, talking about load management and the problem with you know front uh, front offices coming down and telling you who to play and when to play and not to play. Oh, he ran too much. Everyone's too everyone's focused on load management. Well, when Brunson's being run into the ground and playing forty four minutes a night. And needs to be on the floor when they're up 27 points in the fourth quarter. Well, then suddenly you feel like, hey, what the hell is Tibbs doing? Which goes back to his M.O. going back to his days in Chicago with Der- with Derrick Rose. So for me, yes, you need scoring off the bench. But I'd love to get the guy who could be the one. I'd love to have that legit backup point guard. And some of the names I'm hearing, I don't know if that fits the exact exact role I'm looking for, but they do need scoring off the bench as well. So they'll do something. It's just a matter of what it is. Why don't you tell me what you think? And then Pete Alonzo. Stearns has spoken, and I think I think the Mets are interested in Pete. I think the Mets are just taking the smart road here. Let him play this year out and then take the richest owner in baseball's money and go pay the man. And that's part of the reason why they probably didn't give a lot of contracts out this year because they're going to be in the market to go steal Juan Soto from the Yankees and they know they have to pay Pete Alonso. And that's how you do it. I still think they could pay money this year. I would like to see more. Go give J.D. Martinez a one-year contract. What's stopping you? The Mets need to focus a little bit more on 2024 as they look to the future. Rightfully so, but let's focus a little bit more on 2024. And we'll focus on it right now. 